Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, we're wrapping up this morning a series that we started at the beginning of the year, um, called it The Game of Life, Godly Wisdom uh, for Real Life, and it's uh, looking through the book of Proverbs, and um, just real practical godly wisdom for, for everyday life. Um, and today we're going to look at a subject, um, wrapping it up, looking at a subject that influences and impacts every area of your life, every facet of your life, your job, your marriage, uh, your friendships, your success in your career, uh, your parenting skills, um, how you relate to other people, even how you manage your finances. It's, it's an all-inclusive topic. It's the tongue, your speech, the words that come out of your mouth, okay? Um, we're going to be looking at that. And I, I just this week, I've, I heard some very interesting statistics I thought I'd share with you. Um, average American, the average American engages in 30 conversations a day. If you're an average American, that's how many conversations. You will spend one-fifth of your life talking. Yeah, it's kind of a scary thought. In one year, in the course of one year, you will speak enough words to fill 66 books, 800 pages each. That would make some very interesting reading. I uh, read this one. The average man speaks 20,000 words a day. The average woman... Speaks 30,000 words a day. And I'm not even going to comment on that. We're just going to leave that one right there. Um, There's no doubt that our words have a great deal of impact on our life. Not only our lives, but on the lives of those around us. And and God has a lot to say about how we manage our mouth. Um, And I'd like to start just with this uh, verse right here on the front. In fact, we we put these um, memory cards together for you. Pull these out. We're going to look at the first one. Because this kind of just sets the stage for everything we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, And believe me, this subject from a guy who makes his living talking, you know, this is a difficult one for me. But um, we're going to start with Proverbs 18.21. I'd like you to pull this out. It's on the top of your outline also. Just read it out loud with me, would you? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. Let's read that one one more time. For those of you who didn't get it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. Your words will come back to you. Your words are important. Um, And in fact, if you go through the book of Proverbs, and we encourage you through the whole month of January, and each month you can do this, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You could read a chapter a day, one for every day of the month. Um, Of course, this month you only get up to chapter 28. But... And there is, in every single chapter, there is at least one proverb about the mouth. It's that important. Um, and, and, you know, we could all admit that we're not the best at managing our mouths from time to time. I thought maybe this morning we'd start with a little bit of a mass confession, okay? Because confession is good for the soul. So, um, just by a show of hands, um, how many here would, has ever said something, and, and just the minute those words left your lips, you wish you could just grab them and stuff them back in? Anybody? Okay. Um, How many here have ever said the wrong thing in the wrong way at the wrong time? All right. Have you ever told a story about yourself, but in such a way that made you look just a little bit better than you really were? Okay, a few honest people this morning. That's pretty good. Have you ever hurt somebody with your words and then said something afterwards like, 
I didn't mean that the way it came out. Yeah, okay, okay. You ever catch yourself criticizing, gossiping, or complaining? Are you sitting next to somebody who should be raising their hand and you just want to complain about that, okay? (laughs) You know, if we're honest, we'd have to admit we are not very good at managing our mouths. For something that is so important, it has such an impact on our lives, we're just not very good at it. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, looking through the book of Proverbs, because God has some very good, godly wisdom for us, good instruction for us. Um, and, and like all of the Proverbs that we've been looking at, understand that, that there is, there, there's connectedness. We've said this in every one of these uh, topics of life that we've been looking at. There's a connectedness. The decisions you make today have implications down the road. The words that you use today will lead somewhere. There will be consequences to them. How we use our mouth has consequences. So we're going to talk about managing your mouth. And we're going to look at five, five characteristics. And there's, there's really more than this, but just kind of synthesizing it down. I want to look at five characteristics of people who are wise with their words. And um, we're going to kind of breeze through these really, really quick. But they're very, very important, every one of them. And I don't want to shortchange any of them. So let's just get right into it. First of all, words of the wise aren't impulsive. Wise people aren't impulsive with their words. I believe probably up to 90% of all of our problems would be solved if we would just learn when to zip it. You know? I mean, think about it. Look at this, Proverbs 18.2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. You ever had somebody talk over you in a conversation or, or interrupt you or, or even just like finish your sentence for you? They have no interest in what you have to say. They just want to make sure you hear what they have to say. Proverbs says that's foolish. That, that's, that's, <laughs> that's an example of someone who's not managing their mouth. James, which is the New Testament equivalent, by the way, to Proverbs, wisdom literature, says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And if we could, man, if we could just take that one away this morning, I think it would help us a ton. Our words determine the course of our lives. I mean, think about it. Think of how much your words have influenced your life. The job that you have, you probably went through an interview process. The words that you used in that interview got you that job. The words that you used to ask your wife to marry you Life-changing words. I do. Life-changing words. I'm pregnant. Life-changing words. (laughs) Words really do set the course of our life. And they do it either for our benefit or to our detriment. Look at this next one. Proverbs 13.3. Those who control their tongue will have long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. I love Proverbs. It's just that's so true. This week, um, I don't, anybody here fans of Lost, the TV program Lost? Okay, I'm like, I've been hooked on this like from the beginning. And, and it's entering its final season. And this week was the season premiere. It's its final season. If you haven't been watching it, it's a great show. You know, ordered on DVD or whatever. It's, it's just filled with all kinds of really cool stuff. But, um, but this was like, it's, it's ending now. So it's too late to catch up on it. But this week was the season premiere. And it was a two-hour premiere. 
And I was so looking forward to this. And, and so much of usually, you know, I record them and then kind of kind of bloop, bloop, right through the commercials. But, um, but it was a, like a two-hour thing and we wanted to see the first thing. So we watched it live, which meant we had to watch the commercials, which was fine early on. But after it got into the second hour, there were like five minutes of commercials for every five minutes of programming. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, I'm, I'm, and I actually, you know, because I got that recorder and it's got the time scale on the bottom. And I actually timed it. And, I have to, and I'm noticing, man, there's a lot of commercials. And I actually timed it. Five minutes of commercials for five minutes of program. And I said to my wife, I said, there's five minutes of commercials for five minutes of program. And every time commercials would start again, you know, it was only five minutes of program. We'd start commercials again. Five minutes. And I was, just, I, was, I was just so upset. And I was just voicing all of my complaint. And she looked at me and she said, why are you complaining? It's not going to change anything. <laughs> Hate it when she says stuff like that. <laughs> but she's right. I mean, my complaining was just ruining the experience. Not just for me, but it was ruining it for her. Your words, your words are so important. And wise people know when to keep their mouth shut. Husbands, you know, there are certain questions you don't answer. (laughs) Does this dress make me look fat? You don't answer that question. (laughs) Do you notice anything different? Uh, You brushed your teeth. Send me a clue, you know. Um, Oh, do you think that woman is pretty? Do not, do not answer that question. Oh, this is a good one. Is there anything about me that you would like to change? Not a thing. No, no, no. Or, or of course, there's always this one. What are you thinking about? My mind is blank. No thoughts whatsoever. (laughs) There are just some things that are better left unsaid. And wise people know that. Listen. You don't have to get the last word. You don't have to win every argument. And believe it or not, not everybody cares about your opinion. And there's an added added benefit, by the way, to holding your tongue. I love this one, Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Now, you can just take that one home. That doesn't need any other comment. Words of the wise aren't impulsive. We know when to hold our tongue. And words of the wise offer encouragement. Use caution when using silence. Silence is not always the answer. Sometimes words need to be spoken. The the song that the birds made proper, um, very popular back in the 60s uh, was right from the Bible, Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Look at this verse, Proverbs 15, 23. Joy is found in giving the right answer and how good is a word spoken at the right time. In other words, saying the right thing at the right time not only benefits the hearer, it benefits you, the speaker. You know you did something good for somebody. Well, how do you know when the right time is? You pay attention. You listen. You ask the question, how are you doing? And then you listen for the answer. 
And then when they give you the, fine, then you say, no, really, how are you doing? You learn to read body language because people communicate besides just with their mouths. And here's a couple, if you don't know how to do that, here's a couple of really good clues. Look at people's shoulders. If their shoulders are kind of hunched over, something's going on. The position of their head or their eyes even, look at their eyes. If they're kind of downcast, kind of looking down, head kind of down, something's going on. The problem is that there are people all around us, more than you know, people all around you and me who are stressed, who are, who are worried, who are lonely, who are discouraged, who are insecure, and they don't wear a sign to tell you. So you got to pay attention. you got to develop what's called relational IQ. Just learn to read people. Because the right word at the right time can make such a difference. Look at this next verse. Proverbs 15, 4. Gentle words are a tree of life. In other words, you give somebody a word of encouragement, a kind word, a gentle word, that will stay with them. That will nourish them long after those words are spoken. That'll keep giving life. And you know that to be true. When somebody compliments you or encourages you or says something to kind of boost you back up, man, that'll carry you for a week. If you don't know when the right time is, here's a general rule of thumb. Whatever you say, say it in the most positive, the most encouraging, and the most helpful way you possibly can. Proverbs 12, 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Listen, folks. Words of encouragement cost you nothing. (laughs) So don't be stingy with them. Why, why, Why are we so... Hesitant to do that. Words of encouragement can just make such a difference for somebody. And wise people, words of the wise offer encouragement. And words of the wise also diffuse conflict. Have you noticed how anger can easily escalate in an argument? It it just kind of, it just, it doesn't stay at one level. It just keeps escalating and you might be in a conflict or an argument with somebody you start kind of throwing these verbal pebbles you know but it isn't long before you know verbal hand grenades at each other it just escalates it just keeps going up 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 look at this next verse proverbs 15 1 a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger now he's not he's not talking about denying the problems or, or avoiding the issues what he's just simply saying is Turn down the emotional heat. Turn the knob down to simmer. You know, you can, you, can, you can discuss disagreements without the verbal barrage. Nobody in their right mind would pour gasoline on a raging bonfire, but we do it with our words all the time. Just turn it down. Do you know there's, there is something about our anger that as our anger level rises... Something happens in us. Therapists call it cognitive incapacitation, which is a very fancy word for saying the angrier you get, the less you are able to think straight. I read this week, true story, about a guy, Bellevue, Washington, was so frustrated, so angry, he got his car stuck in the snow, six inches of snow, couldn't get it out, wouldn't get out. He got so angry, so irate, so worked up over the whole thing, he got the tire iron out of his truck, 
out of his car trunk and went around and bashed in every window of his car. Then he took out a gun and shot all four tires. True story. Bellevue, Washington. The chief of police, Jack Kellum, said, we, 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 um, we charged him with autocide. <laughs> now, it's bad enough when we take out our anger on inanimate ag- objects, but when we take out our anger on people, we do damage that we can't even see on a level so deep and we don't even know it. The goal of any argument or disagreement shouldn't be to win. It shouldn't be to win. Because you can win every argument and you will probably lose the relationship. <laughs> Proverbs 18.6 What a foolish person says leads to arguing. He is just asking for a beating. <laughs> I mean, that's just... What can you say? Look at the next one. Any fool can start arguments. The wise thing is to stay out of them. The goal in any disagreement or argument shouldn't be to win. The goal should be to restore the relationship. Attack the problem, not each other. You can have arguments, you can have disagreements in civil ways. In fact, we're going to talk about that in the Making the Most of Your Marriage class that we're teaching at Northgate U. And, 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 if, you know, and, and even if you're, if you're engaged, this might be a class for you. If you're even thinking about getting engaged, it might be a class for you. Even if you've been married 30 years, it might be a class for you. Because learning how to communicate well and settle differences and, and work through uh, problems, man, if you can learn that, man, I'll do a lot for your marriage, a lot for your relationship. For some of us, it'll mean unlearning some really bad, bad patterns. But wise people know how to do this. Wise words diffuse conflict. Words of the wise also protect reputations. Healthy, authentic, life-giving relationships require confidentiality. They do. Because people need safe, accepting, caring friendships. And those things are based on trust. In the same way that we put our trust in God because we believe He knows what's best for our lives as we've been talking about through this whole thing through Proverbs, so it is we entrust ourselves sometimes to people with our confidences because we think they know the best or they want the best for us. But when a confidence confidence is betrayed, not only does it destroy, it destroys their reputation. Look at Proverbs 20, 19. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a man who talks too much. Listen, if there is somebody who will gossip to you about somebody else, they will also gossip to somebody else about you. Count on it. Because they don't know how to manage their mouth. And the worst thing, the worst thing to destroy a relationship is gossip. Wise people know that. They protect reputations. Gossip always, always causes hurt and division. There is nothing good that comes from gossip, folks. Nothing good. And the worst part about it is the person, the victim of this, the one who's been talked about, can't go undo it. They have no idea what's been said about them to, and who it's been said to. They can't go to anybody and say, did you hear about this? Well, let me set the record straight. It can't be undone. Gossip can never be undone. That's why it's so destructive. 
Because whether it's true or not, it still destroys reputations and it cannot be undone. Now, if you want to know what is gossip, give me a definition so I know. Here's one for you. Gossip is anything, any passing along, any information when you are neither part of the problem nor part of the solution. It's passing along any bit of information where you are neither part of the problem or part of the solution. In other words, if it doesn't concern you, butt out! That's gossip. And it is just as bad to listen to it as it is to give it. Look at this next one. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay, pay close attention to slander. If you listen to gossip, you are just as guilty as the one saying it. Make no mistake. Because you are giving permission for that to continue. And not only are you just as guilty, it will harm you as much as it harms the person talked about. There's an old Jewish tradition that says, slander, gossip kills three people. The person engaged in its evil the person, the victim who has been talked about, and the person who listens to it. And make no mistake, it will harm you too. Proverbs 18.8 The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. It's going to stick with you. If you engage in gossip, even listening to it, it will get down into you and it will stick with you and it will damage you. And wise people, people who are wise with their words, protect reputations. Protect reputations. Protect their... I have seen churches divided. I have seen marriages destroyed. I have seen friendships absolutely decimated by something as simple as gossip. Negative talking about anybody does no good. It just doesn't. Even if it's true. Even if it's true. It does no good. So protect reputations. Protect the reputation of your church. Protect the reputation of the people around. Protect the reputation of your friends. Protect the reputation of your enemies. Because that's what Christ has called us to do. To love one another. To love our enemies. Why is it? Why is it that we feel like we are being the rude one when we tell somebody not to gossip with me? Why is it when somebody comes and tells me and I tell them, you know what? I don't want to hear it. Why is it that I am the one who feels like I'm being rude? <laughs> they are the ones who are rude. And you have my permission to say to them, stop. I don't want to hear it. And in fact, if you tell me something, you just got to know. You tell me something about somebody else, I'm going to go tell them that you told me that. Because they're a friend of mine, and I'm going to protect my friend's reputation. I won't listen to it. I don't even know them, but I will protect their reputation. I will not listen to it. There is nothing good that comes from that. It's a very, very foolish use of the tongue. And the last one. The words of the wise reveal healthy hearts. Proverbs 16, 23. The hearts of wise people guide their mouths. 
Their words make people want to learn more. The words you use reflect the true nature of your heart. The words that come out of your mouth come from somewhere. They come from your heart. You ever said something and said, I don't know what came over me. I don't know what got into me. I don't even know where that came from. It came from within. Sounds like a 1950s B-horror movie, you know. It came from within. Well, that's about it. (laughs) It did. It came from within. Healthy words come from a healthy heart. Conversely, unhealthy words come from an unhealthy heart. Proverbs 18.4 Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. What he's saying is, if there is wisdom down deep in your heart, it will bubble to the surface. And the same thing is true. If there is bitterness, if there is anger, if there is yuck in your heart, that's what comes out of your mouth. And if the stuff that's coming out of your mouth you don't like, take a look at your heart. Because that's where it comes from. That's why Proverbs says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Jesus had said the very same words. He said, Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What comes out of your mouth reveals what's in your heart. And if harsh words come out of the heart, it's a sign of an angry heart. And if there are negative words, it's a sign of a diseased heart. And if they are critical words, it's a sign of a bitter heart. And if they are gossipy words, it's a sign of an insecure heart. Because that's really at the root of gossip. I'm insecure about myself, so if I can tell dirt about other people, it makes me feel better about myself. You show me, you give me some of your words, I can tell you a little bit about your heart. Real change, real change requires a change of heart. Because this is all really good and godly and very wise instruction and advice. It's all good. We go through everything, and every one of us can nod our heads. Oh, yeah, 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 we know gossip's bad. Oh, yeah, we know we shouldn't fight and argue and make all that. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, we know we, we, know we should repec- re- protect reputations. Um, yeah, 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 I know all that stuff. It's all good stuff. We know it all. We agree with it all. But the problem is, knowing it is not enough. It takes a change of heart because it's all good, godly, wise, wise instruction. But willpower itself won't change it. And just trying harder won't have the impact that it needs to have. Only God can change a heart. Only God can change a heart. It is a supernatural work of His Holy Spirit that works within us from the inside out, transforming us, transforming our hearts, transforming our character, transforming. And that's what works itself out into our lives. You cannot do it by yourself. It is only the work of God. And God has agreed to do God has offered to do that for you. It is why Jesus Christ came and died on a cross, not just to forgive me for my past, but to change my heart, to give me a fresh start, to give me new life. And if there's something 
that's coming out of your mouth that's revealing something about your heart. Do something about the heart. And it's very simple. You just got to acknowledge the need. God, you know my heart. And I know it too because I see the stuff, I hear the stuff that's coming out of it. I can't change this by myself, Lord. I need not only your forgiveness, I need your restoration. You acknowledge the need. You ask for the forgiveness and then you allow the entry of His Holy Spirit into your life. And say, Lord, change me from the inside out. And if you've never done that, if you've never taken that first step of faith, if you've never come before him and just said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need your forgiveness. I thank you for what Christ did on the cross for me to pay that price for my sin, not only to forgive me, but to give me new life. Please do that for me. You could do that this morning. And if you've done that, if you've done that before, but you find that, you know, the word's coming out, because this is a lifelong process, by the way. It doesn't, it's not overnight. It works constantly through our lives. But there's some things that you can do along the way too. If you've taken that first step, then the next thing is just fill your heart with God's word. You know, the old computer term, garbage in, garbage out. So put good stuff in so good stuff comes out. Fill your heart with God's word. Read his word. We told, you know, January is a great place to start. Read just a chapter a day of the book of Proverbs. That will give you so much godly wisdom. You will find something every day that you can take with you. And like I said, there is something in every chapter about your mouth. So if nothing else, it will give you help there. But just read through Scripture. Read God's Word. And study it. Become a part of a community group. We just had community group signups. You can still get in. But get in a group of people and study God's Word together. Northgate U is another great opportunity. Christ in the Passover, starting point, um, experiencing God. Those are great Bible studies to teach you the Word. Put good stuff in your life and memorize it. These, these memory cards that we have printed out through this whole week, you know, these things, it wasn't just because we got a brand new, you know, we got a brand new um, photocopier and we just wanted to see what it could do. You know, that's not why we did these things. These are for you to memorize. Take them home, memorize it, read his word, study his word, memorize his word. And then, and then pray. Pray each day. And here's a good prayer, and it's not on your outline, um, only because I was too late getting it on there. But it's from Psalm 1914. Write down the reference. You can go home and do it. It's a very simple prayer. You might even be familiar with it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Proverbs 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.